Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Be sure to give us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out a lot. What is up, my friends? I have missed you guys. It's been a couple of days, but we are back. And look, I'm going boring tonight. Black Knight t-shirt. Sorry. You know, I know there's Mankini shouts, some white Adidas hoodie shouts, but I've gone lazy. It's just a black t-shirt, so that's where we are. Yeah, I missed you guys. I did. I did. It was, a, it was a weird few days not being able to stream, but I needed the break. It was my wife's birthday yesterday, so we went out for a family meal and stuff as well. So, yeah, good to go. Back fresh, ready to uh, ready to lash through as many comments as we can. The big story of the day, well, I guess one of the big stories of the day is, of course, the news that Mohamed Salah has been awarded the goal of the season for his goal against Manchester City and definitely not Arsenal. I definitely didn't say Arsenal previously and have to go and do this again. But yes, it was, of course, against Manchester City, assisted by Alison Becker as well. Uh, there's a few great goals in there if you've looked at Liverpool's tweet. Billy Comedio was one that stands out as well as a, a fantastic goal. But the great man himself, Mohamed Salah, has yet another award to to add to the many ones he's already garnered at Liverpool Football Club. And now he's got goal of the season. Trent's free kick was in third place as well. The one against Leicester with the delicious back heel from Mo. And that was a wonderful free kick. But I guess the big news of the day is that Lucho, Luis Diaz, is now officially Liverpool's number seven. So if you have previously bought a 23 Diaz shirt this season, this upcoming season, I should say, from any of the club sources, they're going to replace that one for you. Actually, the official line is Luis Diaz will replace that shirt for you. So if you have bought a Liverpool 23 Luis Diaz 23-24 shirt, they'll replace that and they'll swap it out. But you have to have bought it from the club or one of the club stores. So there we are on that one. With regards to transfers, one thing that we've seen today confirmed by Fabrizio Romano was that Liverpool turned down the opportunity to sign Evan Indica when he was leaving Eintracht Frankfurt. Obviously, he has gone on to sign for Roma, but that's one that left me with a... I think we would have more questions than answers, to be honest, because he was a player in the position we needed. He was free. He wasn't too shabby. And yet Liverpool didn't look to make the deal. So one can only assume that we have our eye on other centre-backs. One of those, of course, is Mickey van de Ven. And it looks like Spurs are uh, 
trying to get him. So, you know, we've already screwed Spurs over once when we went in there and signed Lucho, but it looks like they've gone in early for Van der Ven. Obviously, he's part of the Dutch squad that is uh, playing in the under-21 Euros at the minute. We've seen Newcastle show that you can still get deals done when your players are, that you're after are away, but Van der Ven, I don't know if Liverpool are going to be spurred on by this interest from Spurs. They see what I've done there. Or if Liverpool are going to look at elsewhere, I don't know. Uh, other targets, of course, we've seen before are Inacio and a few other centre backs that I don't know who they are so let's wait and see what happens there but the big questions have been what happens in midfield and who are Liverpool really interested in well if we're looking at uh, Neil Jones he said that Liverpool's two priorities are Thuram and Gravenberch and like I've said previously that underwhelms me a lot not the Thuram part I'm absolutely on board with that if you said to me right now, Craig, you've got Alexis McAllister and Kevin Thuram, I'm very happy with those two midfield signings. Thuram is the one for me that I feel like we can roll the dice on. Somebody who obviously has uh, a brilliant track record of having no injuries. He's six foot four. He is uh, already establishing himself as a hot property in League 1. He has uh, played at Leah, or excuse me, he's played for Nice, who've had many, many boisterous derbies. So. He's not going to be overawed by coming to the Premier League. He's not going to be overawed by coming to play in the Anfield. Comes from a great footballing family. Obviously, his father was a World Cup winner. We know that Ibrahim Akanade is, is really good mate to him. So I'm okay with that because he is a bit of a roll of the dice. You know, he hasn't proven himself at Premier League or top level yet, but he's got all the tools in his armour to, to make it. So I'm absolutely fine with that being the roll of the dice signing. But where I come a little bit more worried is, is Gravenberch. I just... I can't get it out of my head that it's too risky. It's just too risky to bring in two untested Premier League players. I just can't. And Graffenberg, he just do, doesn't do it for me. He just doesn't. I know that you'll tell me he's got all the tools and you'll talk to me about what he did at Ajax. And, but it just strikes me as just too risky. And that's before we get into the part that I don't think has been spoken about enough. And that's the fact that Bayern Munich, as of right now, aren't willing sellers. They said they've no plans to sell him right now. And if we take what Jurgen Klopp has said at face value, Liverpool don't want to be dragged into these situations that could drag on through the summer. Liverpool want to get their players in as early as possible. And with the situation that Ryan Gravenberg is in with Bayern Munich, they're in no rush to sell him. They're in no need to sell him. And it's up to him and his, his representative to, to try and force a way out. But it just doesn't make sense for me on all of those all of those areas that we've spoken about. He's not up for sale, unlike Kone as an example, who we know is definitely up for sale. Thuram feels to me like Nisa digging the heels in a little bit, but I think that will get sorted. Obviously, the Nisa owner is pretty focused on trying to make sure that he doesn't lose out and buy Manchester United, but we know that his agent, Rafaela Pimenta, has been at Nice for talks. We know the player's been, what was the phrase that was used? Seduced, I think it was, by the prospect of coming to play at Liverpool. So I don't see that being too much of an issue. And I think Liverpool are okay to let that one drag on a little bit, mainly because the players made it clear Liverpool is where he wants to go. So I think that one will just, we'll have to be patient on. But the, the Gravenberts want to keep coming back to, if they're not willing to sell and he's a bit of a risk, what's the point? I just don't see why we're doing it. Also, I'm not sure if you guys have seen this, but FSG are splashing the cash around just not on Liverpool at the minute. They are investing in that uh, Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, I don't know, technology golf thingy. They're on, a, they're on 3% of that. So that's another distraction that we have from our owners now, on top of, obviously, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Boston Red Sox, and whatever else FSG own. 
can't help but get a bit frustrated, right? Jerry Cardinal and Redbird Capital as well are also about to invest into Alpine, the Formula One team. So uh, again, more distractions there because they are part owners of Liverpool. So we can't forget that we're having these conversations. And once again, Liverpool have been linked with a move for Jeremy Doku. And I've been absolutely bombarded with messages from people today asking me, Craig, are Liverpool really interested in Jeremy Doku? What's the story? My little bit of investigating that I've done, I think it's a lazy link. I don't think it's true. Now, look, we have been interested in Jeremy Doku for many, many years. I'm not trying to deny that. I think I've told you guys before that uh, I think he was even shown around Anfield at one point. But if I think it was Anderlecht, if my memory's right, ask Romelu Lukaku to have a word with him, make him stay poor for the time being. He did that, but his numbers aren't exactly great. And he's had a bit of an injury concern over the past year or so. And again, I just don't see the need for Liverpool to bring in a player like him. You could get Chiesa if you wanted to bring in a forward. The only reason that I even put any credibility to the docu stuff is for the reason that we don't want to talk about. And that is something going to happen with Mohamed Salah. And I hope that that isn't the case because Liverpool Football Club can't uh, can't lose Mohamed Salah, especially after he's just after getting gold of the season. So I don't know. I'm a little bit concerned by this. I'm a little bit concerned that we haven't, uh, we haven't heard... Anything more on the centre-back? I'm a little bit concerned that my wife standing in the door absolutely distracted me as I'm recording this. And um, I don't know about Doku. It just feels like we're going back in for more risky players again rather than going out there and getting players that we know can get the job done, players that are ready to go, like Barella. And I don't mean to keep coming back to Barella, but Barella, 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 because he's available, because he's willing to move, and because he's not going to be that much more expensive than, let's say... Lavia, who Liverpool have also been linked to today. And yes, Liverpool have been asked to be kept abreast of the latest on Romeo Lavia's potential move from Southampton, Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United, according to Brizio Romano, other names in the mix room. And again, 45 million for a player who's just been relegated, a player who could be good, but is it a guaranteed? No. And it just feels like we're being too risky again. We're being a bit too scabby with the L funds. The difference between a Gravenberch, Thuram and Barella window or a Gravenberch, Thuram and McAllister, or excuse me, Gravenberch, McAllister and um, Thuram window is huge. Liverpool fan base, if you got Barella, we'd all be together. We'd be absolutely flying and we'd be going in the same direction. So look, that is where we're at the latest, but I want to know what you guys think to do. Let me know your thoughts. Um, is Barella achievable? Or excuse me, if Barella is achievable, why isn't Rice for 10, 20 million more? It's not 10, 20 more. It, it's a good bit more. So if we're looking at the numbers involved, right, the players that were being linked to are mainly 35, 40 million in midfield. I would say we could probably at least test the waters at about 60 million for Barella. I'd say you probably have to go a little bit higher to get him. But if you're going for Rice, well, we've seen 90 million turned down. And that's, you know, and we're up against Manchester City and Arsenal who have more money to spend. So... Yeah, I just don't think we could stretch it. But I'm not arguing with you in regards to the quality of the player, mate. I would happily have Declan Rice. I've said this before. When we missed out on um, Bellingham, that would have been the next one on my list. So, unfortunately, yeah, I can't see it happening. Um, I'm seeing a lot of contradictory stuff in this window, and it confuses me because, you know, we're told that Liverpool won players in early, but yet everybody we're looking at is clearly fucking in the under-21 Euros. And, you know, we're not going to be getting them anytime soon. So... Weird. I'm very confused by it all. And I'm hoping that there's going to be just news that comes out that none of us expected and we're all a little bit surprised, but pleasantly surprised by it. 
In your opinion, who's the most talented and has the highest ceiling of Nunes, Gakpo or Jota? Highest ceiling, undoubtedly Nunes. Most talented, Diaz. Gakpo's just brilliant, though. I love Gakpo. I love that deal. Um, but again, I love that we have these conversations, but I also love to remind everybody that we don't need to rank them or worry about them. They're all errors, and it's fucking beautiful. Jeremy Doku, what says you, my good friends? Are Liverpool really interested in Jeremy Doku, or is it just lazy journalism? I think it's lazy journalism, personally, but I also think that it's very hard to actually say with any confidence what Liverpool's business is going to be in this window. It's it's really difficult to try and figure it out because there's so many differing opinions from different, not only different journalists, different countries, different platforms. Just, it's tough to know. And I'm okay with that. You know, I'm impatient as a fan and I want these things to be sorted. But yeah, I'm, I'm okay with them keeping us guessing. I'd rather them keep us guessing than our business to be played out fully in front of the media. So hopefully... We finished this window with positivity. That's all I want. Can you see Liverpool going back in for Sangar? You say back in. I'm not sure we we're ever in for Sangar. We've been linked to him, but I don't know. The truth is, I don't know. The only one I can say with any degree of certainty, I feel comfortable that Liverpool will will get a deal done if the selling club are willing to play ball is, is Thuram. After that, I'm guessing. Thuram's an interesting one, though, because we know that the Nice owner's a bit distracted at the minute. He's busy trying to buy Manchester United. Um, Nice are putting out there in the media that they don't want to sell, but I don't think that's going to be the case. There's talk that they wanted to hold on to him for another year. That's been doing the rounds as well. But I think it's been made clear to them that he'd like to move. His agent has been pictured, as you've seen, speaking with Nice or at the Nice offices. The player has been pretty much flirting with Liverpool openly. So I think that's a deal we can get done. And I think I'd love to gauge your opinion in the chat, but I think it's a deal we all feel comfortable with. Is that fair enough to say? I think I'm certainly fully hyped up now on board the Thuram train, but I'm not on board the Gravenberts train. I want that third signing to be an undoubted yes. McAllister was a yes. As soon as you heard that signing, you were like, perfect experience, right age bracket, little bit of nous about him, won a World Cup at Argentina, perfect signing, great value, nothing wrong with it. The the Thuram one, brilliant as well, but that's the that's the roll of the dice. For me, that's the one we're allowed to have a roll of the dice on. It's an educated roll of the dice, it's an educated risk. But Lavia, I don't get it. I don't get why we'd potentially spend upwards of 40 million for a player who isn't there yet is very highly thought of of course has been relegated with it Southampton and we have competition because it looks like Chelsea it looks like maybe United and certainly Arsenal are in that conversation and I just don't get the point of us maybe getting into a, a bit of a transfer battle there when we've openly said we don't want to now if you move on to Gravenberts like I said earlier on the word from Bayern is they ain't selling at least for this particular moment in time they've no priority no um needs to sell so that's one that i feel would drag on over the the summer and obviously Bayern are probably sitting back and waiting to see how Gravenberts gets on in the euros if he's a particularly good euros maybe they feel like they can get a bit more from if he's a particularly poor euros then maybe they feel like okay that maybe uh justifies us potentially moving him on if he wants to move on that's kind of where we're at like it's difficult to know after that 
Lavi is just a kid, said JC. Um, right now, he wouldn't even get into the Blue Nose team, said Mark. Yeah, it's weird, right? Like, it is weird. I, I don't get it. Like, you're two-thirds of the way there. And with Gravenberts, at least we can look at it and go, it's cheap. So, whether we think that's right or wrong, it's cheap. If it's 25, 30 million, it's cheap. But if you're looking at Lavia, you've still got the risk factor, but you've got an increased price, which puts increased pressure, of course, on those young shoulders. And there's also the factor of, I still don't know if he's good enough or not. Has to be Barella said, Owen, I'm with you, Owen. It just makes sense. Barella, I think, would love to come and play at Anfield. And look, if you want me to really, really go tinfoil hat here, we just gave up the number 23 today to Lucho. And we know what number Barella likes to wear. And that number is now available at Liverpool. And that is absolutely potentially tinfoil hat stuff of the highest order. But it's also, we barely need Barella. Barely? Surely you meant to write the word really. And uh, you got autocorrected. But barely? I think Barella would be... Barella would just sort the midfield. Like Barella, McAllister. And then you, you have the opportunity to go with either... Um, Jones if you want to obviously by Chetic or Fabinho if you wanted to play in the 6th if you wanted to go to 3-2-2-3 three, two, two, three again um, it gives you options in midfield it just ticks a lot of boxes for me Barella should be a no-brainer if the player is willing to make the move and I really do feel like he is open to it and I feel like Liverpool are long-term admirers of him but we've also seen this story play out numerous times where Liverpool are interested FC or Liverpool are monitoring FC and, and look, we don't even have the competition now from Newcastle who've moved on and went with Tenali. So there was even less competition for the signing. I think if you were looking at the Premier League, Chelsea, maybe the other one, Liverpool versus Arsenal for Romeo Lavia as per Fabrizio Romano, they can fucking have them. I mean, am I the, is there anybody who really wants Lavia? Like, because I know I'm a bit of a miserable outside, but it just doesn't tickle the L nutsack, you know? It doesn't do anything for me. So, Lavia is really good, said George. Is he, though? Like, is he potentially good, George? You know, or is he really good? If he's potentially good, I can't get where you're coming from, but... And I'm not holding Southampton getting relegated against him because there's plenty of experience of players who went on to be well, who've come from relegated teams, like look at Andy Robertson for us, or potentially James Madison leaving Leicester City. So it does happen that relegated teams have good players, but I don't know, 40, 45 million for a 19-year-old kid with limited experience? I don't know, doesn't feel, doesn't feel worth the money to me. If he wasn't any good, then some of the top six club wouldn't be after him for fuck's sake. I, I mean... Firstly, drop the fucking attitude, Jamie, with the for fuck's sake. You know, I can give you many, many examples of top six clubs who've gone after bags of shite before that haven't worked out. So the fact that, I mean, I'll flip it on its head for you, right? Using your analogy, why is nobody else after Ryan Graffenberts then? Why are Liverpool, uh, you know, prioritising him and nobody else is interested for a player that could be worth only 25 or 30 million? So I feel like... People should be hammering the door down to Bayern Munich there. So for me, it just feels a bit weird. To be fair, Grafenberts against Portugal in the 21, he was really good. I'm not saying Ryan Grafenberts hasn't got potential, my friend. I'm just saying, you know, he's cheap, he's young, and he's potentially good. And I'm worried as to why Bayern Munich may sell him. And I'm worried about 
I don't say his attitude, but I'm worried about him living up to that potential. It concerns me. And that's before we had that discussion as well about the fact that Bayern, at this minute, are saying they don't want to sell. What do you think happens to Harvey next season, said Panda Paws. I think Harvey Elliott isn't getting the credit from Liverpool fans that he deserves. And I know people might think that that's a bit of a divisive statement for me to make. But just listen to our manager's words and the stuff that we don't see, like the pressing stats of Harvey Elliott. That's why he's been getting game time last season. He set a record, I think, for counter-pressing in one of the games. I think it was the Wolves game, maybe. Uh, whichever was the game before we played United and beat them, 7-0. Um, that was the one that, that Jurgen Klopp said, this is why he's in the team. His counter-pressing is phenomenal. So I think Harvey Elliott's fine. The only issue I have is probably the same issue that you guys have. Where's his position? That's the one thing I don't know. Like, is he going to be a future midfielder? Is he going to be a future right winger? Is he going to operate somewhere maybe just in behind the strikers? I don't know, but that's, I guess that's down to Jurgen to figure out. But I think Elliot's going in the right direction. Uh, Craig, if it was decided that Harvey is a right winger, would you let him replace Mo long term? No, I, I don't see. And look, I'm so fucking deluded with this, mate, that in my head, Ben Doak is that successor to Mohamed Salah. I think we see Mo stay for two more years, then maybe move to Saudi Arabia or somewhere else for one last um, one last chapter in his career. And at that stage, you would hope that Ben Doak is um, is ready because he looks he looks a real talent. But there is no guarantees with younger players making that step forward. It can be um, it can be one step forward, two step backs at a time, making that progression. Look at Curtis Jones, a really good example again. Went off the boil because of injuries and a lack of game time and a few other things for quite a while, but had a phenomenal end to the season. And he and Liverpool deserve massive credit for that. And a lot of us, and I definitely include myself in this, you know, have to hold our hands up and say, Firstly, didn't see that coming, but also fair play to the lad. So a little bit of an update from Fabrizio said Liverpool are working on Kevin Thuram, but no, not at the final stages yet. So look, I'm pretty comfortable in, in at least saying that Thuram is, is a, a top priority. And I'd go further than that off camera, but I feel very confident. We're looking at McAllister, Thuram, midfield, rebuild. If there's a third and who that third is, Honestly, I'm, 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 I, I don't know. You know, you see Gravenberts one day, you see Kone another day, you see Lavia. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And I guess you can make 
especially with those three, you could say, well, it could well be any of those three because they're all similar in that uh, they're deeper lying midfielders. Barella is the answer. Barella is definitely, I don't know what the question is, Arnst Launcher, but Barella is the answer, all right. Do you think Bocetic will have the chance to lock down the first choice six? Two-part answer. Firstly, yes. Secondly, not sure if that's going to be his position long term. And uh, the only reason I say that is because our manager said it. I don't know if Klopp sees him as a six, an eight, or somewhere in the middle. And it also might depend on our system. Because if we go to this three box three, as in three, two, two, three. So you'll have Trent then covering it. And what I've been able to find out is I think Trent's role will be the same. I don't think we're going to see him necessarily become a midfielder. But I do think at the start of the season, the continuation of that um, hybrid role of his will, will, will be what we see. So then you're going to have one more player in there with him and two ahead. So let's wait and see what the, uh, the transfer fairies have in store for us. Why have we not heard more about Kyle Walker getting his lad out in a pub? If a Liverpool player so much as farted wrong, it is all over the media, everywhere, non-stop. Kyle Walker got his uh, manhood out in a pub and this kind of just got swept under the carpet a little bit. I don't feel like he's gotten enough grief for that. Because I don't know about you, I may be old school, but I don't like my right back out there lashing his todger out in the middle of pubs. It's suspect behaviour. Dare I say it's a little bit weird. Do you agree, disagree with the topic if you don't support your local Eurogloria Hunter debate? No, of course not. That's fucking ridiculous. These people that say support your local or not, do they only buy records or music from local bands? No. Do they only eat food? from local establishments no fuck off is basically the answer there is no support your local is there a truth to the fact that maybe you feel more of a connection to a club if you grew up in and around it yes of course that's if you're walking by the stadium or you go past it in the bus on the way to school all the time and you know you're in school with your mates and some of them are everton fans some of the united fans some of the liverpool fans yeah of course course there's there's that but i feel a connection to liverpool for some reason some of them i can put my finger on some of them i've absolutely no idea but also there's the irish aspect for me and that was always a big draw of that connection to liverpool football club so no and also and i can't state this clearly enough if it was the glory hunting i was after jesus i was i was uh i was a long time waiting as a liverpool fan you know i will i waited 30 odd years to see Liverpool win a league and yes we had some European success there with the UEFA Cup and the Champions League on a couple of occasions but it was a long wait for that league title so glory hunting wasn't my uh, modus operandi when I started supporting Liverpool. Davinho said as an American I understand what FSG are trying to do I hate it and I wish they would spend more money but I do understand why they don't spend from a money perspective they have their hands in too many pots, but at the end of the day, this is how an investment fund makes money. I feel that's fair. The last part of that is what worries me the most. Like we've seen today that FSG are about to buy into 3% of this um, this company that Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy started. Uh, one sec, what's it called? So FSG are expanding into golf with a move to enter a team into a new technology-powered league owned by Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy. The financial terms of the agreement were not disclosed, but FSG will hold a 3% stake in TGL as part of the deal. Now, if you take that, 
And then you go on to Redbird Capital, who don't forget bought, I think it was 11% of all of FSG's business interests. It says Redbird Capital, 11% owners of FSG and indirect partial owners of Liverpool have invested into the Alpine F1 Formula One team, along with Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. So there does feel like that there is a lot of distractions for our owners. Now, that's not to say that they haven't got good people doing the roles at Liverpool, because they have. You know, we've seen that. Whatever I say about FSG, I will never deny that they haven't put good people in to do good jobs at the football club. You know, they have. The people that they put in to run the club have done a very good job in that regard. But that distraction part, I think, is true. And if you take that, there doesn't seem to be an appetite for them to want to win. There doesn't. They, they see their value going up and up. And there's something... There's something understandable about wanting the club to, to use what it only makes, but debt isn't a dirty word. And there are ways to structure the debt and there are ways to to allow Liverpool to be a bit more competitive. And we've been told for the longest time that, that there was a pot, there was a decent pot for this window. But I can't help but feel like it's building to an, a bit of an anticlimactic end. Redbird Capital bought into AC Milan. Um, no, they bought AC Milan, I think. I don't know. If, I think they own the club, if I'm not mistaken. And the AC Milan fans want rid of them already. How about doing what City did with New York? And we're not the only ones. Chelsea have just started this as well. So Chelsea used to have a bit of a an agreement with Vitesse Arnheim to bring through players. And now they've, they've... I don't know if they've concluded this deal, but they look like they're about to buy into Strasbourg. So Todd Bowley is trying to start this now with Chelsea as well. And we've seen Manchester City, obviously, with their brand of clubs. I know they've got interest in MLS, obviously the Premier League, Australia, Brazil, India, if I'm not mistaken. And I just see that as a, a convoluted way to be able to move money around and increase the budget of the person, the team at the top of that pyramid. So at least if we've seen FSG go down that route, we don't understand it. Because you think, all right, well, if we're buying into football clubs, we're going to be at the top of that pyramid. We're going to be, everything's going to be set up to get the most up to that point of that pyramid. But nothing has come of that either. And we were told that that was a multi-club model is something that they were looking at. But it doesn't make sense when they're buying up hockey teams, potentially buying into 3% ownership of this new golf venture, looking to maybe buy an, uh, a franchise for the NBA if that when that becomes available. It just feels fucking like we're an afterthought at the minute. Uh, David said, Jerry Cardinal, Chief Executive Officer, Managing Partner of Redbird Capital, a former Goldman Sachs investment banker, I think, if I'm not mistaken as well, David, is the principal investment firm situated in the US that owns AC Milan. Redbird Capital Partners bought AC Milan from Elliott Management at the start of the 2022-23 season for $1.2 billion. Here's an honest question. What do you think will be the deciding factors to make FSG eventually part with their uh, ownership of the club? What do you think will be the driver for that to happen? Because this is something I wrestle with myself back and forth quite a bit, trying to figure out what will what what will it be? What will the day or what will trigger them to sell? Is it going to be negative PR? Because I've seen talk of another plane going over Anfield at the start of the season. Um. I'm sure you've probably seen that yourselves on social media. A loss of money, said Dusk. That's not going to happen. Unfortunately, mate, they could sit on Liverpool now for the next three years, just continuously keeping a ticking over 
and we wouldn't lose money because the way the the football industry is going there's a projected growth of at least six percent i think it was per annum on on football clubs and i think that's with regards to the commercial partnerships that's expected over the next few years so i don't think that's going to be happening anytime soon jabba said when we're not a consistent top four team isn't that kind of counterintuitive though because you'd want to sell when you were at the point of being at the top so that's why like i've gone through most of the things that you guys are saying but then i've contradicted myself and my own thought processes with like yes if we're losing money maybe they look to sell but then we know they hate losing money so wouldn't it make more sense from the one to sell at the very peak if the qataris don't get united do you believe they come in for liverpool nope i think they if they don't get united they look a little bit like they've got a bit of egg on their face because they were twerking for Liverpool at one point and then all of a sudden it was all United and only every United and we love United. And if you don't get United, I don't think they can play that card again. The the Sheikh was besotted with the club or the uh, Prince went to college in the UK and fell in love with Liverpool. I don't think they can keep pulling that card out. I've never seen so much disinformation come out of one place about football than I have seen from Qatar. The amount of bullshit leaks that have come out from that side about lots of stuff, about buying Liverpool, about offers for Liverpool, about United, about deals being done for United, a lot of bullshit. Do you think Qatar will go for another club in Premier League? Well, there's, there's talk that they want to invest into a Premier League club. So I've seen... The only clubs that I've really seen ever mentioned are West Ham and Spurs. They're the two that I've seen linked to potential Qatar investment outside of Liverpool and United. And I could have missed some. There could well be more, but they're the two that I can think of off the top of my head. What do you guys think? What do you think happens with Qatar interests in football if, if they don't get United? It could end up being a pissing contest between sovereign wealth funds in the Premier League. You know, obviously we've got Abu Dhabi who own Manchester City. Newcastle are owned by Saudi Arabia. Qatar, if let's say for argument's sake, they bought United. You're then just staring down the barrel of who has the deepest pockets and who's willing to keep throwing stupid money for bravado and PR. It just, it's not real. But there's, you know what? There's one conversation that we haven't had and I want to, I want to have this conversation. When is somebody going to look after the footballers? When is somebody going to stop putting financial interests ahead of the welfare of the players. Because I was looking at some stats of games that have been played by players and some players are playing 70 games last year. 70 games in a season. That's not sustainable. Footballers need a break. Look at other leagues. Look at the NFL as an example. I think it's six months on, six months off. The really interesting part about the article that I read suggested that a lot of Premier League players, when they finish and they look back in their careers, they will say that they were always or often playing with a niggle or an injury or pain because they don't have the time for it to heal properly. So whatever we think as football fans want more and more football, there is something to be said for having this three, four month break to allow players to recover, to get over these injuries, to have these little minor surgeries that they might need because we could end up damaging the product and having too much football but the quality dropping off. And a great example of this was the Nations League final. It was shit. And it wasn't shit because the players on display weren't good players. It was because they were absolutely exhausted. 
They'd gone through 120 minutes previously with Croatia, and I think it was Modric off the top of my head that played 70 games for club and country in the last season at 36, 37 years of age. And that was a chance for Croatia to win their first ever trophy as a fledgling country. And they were exhausted. And the game just went to penalties because people just hadn't got the energy left. And it, it didn't make for the greatest of spectacle, but nobody seems to care. And this is my big concern. Are we getting to the point now where football is only for entertainment or is there still a sporting aspect to it? Because if there's a sporting aspect to it, we need to look after the players. And also, what does the players' uh, agency actually do? I think it was FIFA Pro looks after players, I think, uh, for FIFA. But who was the, the PFA? What do they actually do? What do the players' union actually do proactively to protect players? Because we know what they do when players are in difficult contract situations or there's an issue and they can act as an intermediary or an intermediary. But what do they actually do to protect the players? What do they do to look after their interests? I, I don't think enough. Does, does Am I wrong in this? Have you guys seen anything maybe where they've been more proactive to try and look after the careers of these guys and give them longevity and, and make sure that the quality of the product is is at its peak and players aren't flagging and injured and overplayed? Same with the Champions League final. Yeah, like we, we had a season, right, where there was a shortened summer a break for another international tournament in the middle of it. And then at the end of the season, when some of these players had nothing left, they had to go and play internationals and try and, you know, in the Netherlands, Spain, Croatia, Italy's case, try and win the Nations League again. So they've started the season and they've probably played nonstop for a solid year now without a break, a real break. That's, again, bullshit. And now we're looking at a, an AFCON coming up. And then after that, we're looking at the the bigger Club World Cup coming down the line and more games in the Champions League. So again, who's looking after the players? Do you feel if we got less football as fans, there would be something more special about it? That thing of if you had a takeaway every night, it's not as nice as if you have one every couple of weeks, you know? Or if you eat your favourite food all the time, it starts to lose a little bit of the uh, appeal that it once had. Is the same with football? Because I would argue, yes. It is. If you don't watch the levels that we're seeing, how many games were being played, people just become a bit numb to it. If we got less football, Sky better lower their prices as I'm not paying 30 a month for some of the matches to not even be shown in the UK. That's a different conversation, but it'll never go the other way. All you're going to get is more people into the football market. So we've already, we know, for example, that zone tried to buy BT to get into the football market, but they lost out and Discovery ended up buying BT or uh, Turner Media, I think it is, bought them. So you're going to see more people trying to get in and zone will try and find an angle to get in and get some football coverage at some point as well. We've already got BT, Sky Sports, Premier Sports, um, Amazon. It's, it's not going to stop. Grealish was saying he played like 10 months straight football and went party for two, three days straight after and got a lot of hate for it. I mean, I don't defend Jack Grealish very often, but he's absolutely spot on. If you can't play 10 months solid, win a fucking treble and go on the piss for a week, what's the point? He should have absolutely been told to ignore the England games and enjoy himself and have that release with his mates or his family or his friends. They played a lot of football to get to that point. So yeah, as much as I don't ever want to defend Grealish or City, he has a point. 
You should be able to. I don't know why you got greed for it. Because you should be able to celebrate that. It's greed, more games, more money. Yeah, but... Footballers were in a difficult position, right? Because it's hard to get people on your side when you're a millionaire. It's hard to to avoid the narrative of, oh, poor little millionaire footballer wants a break. But there's something to that. They're damn right to look for someone to look after their interests because there is too much football being played. I think there should be a minimum three months where there is no football played and players don't have to go for internationals or any of this shit. They can recoup, look after their bodies, rehab, enjoy themselves and get back ready for a new season. So I think we're probably all in agreement on that, I'd say, right? We all think that there's, there's too much demands on the players. And we'll suffer because we won't get to see the best of these guys. Grealish was embarrassing in the celebrations. Yes, celebrate, but he was OTT. Let me just say this. It might be a generational thing. But if I was Jack Grealish and I was his age and we just won a treble, I'd be fucking birds on the stage with a bottle of champagne in my hand, my medal around my neck and a trophy in my other hand. And then I'd move on to the next one and I'd be slaying more women and I'd be drinking more drink and I'd be partying more and I, I would be balls deep in a sesh for uh, as long as I could get away with it. So I don't think he was over the top. You know, I've been mo- much worse for wear out on nights um, celebrating, I don't know, a fucking tenor winning the bookies, you know. Lucho, Darwin, or excuse me, Lucho, Darwin, Salah, Gakpo just behind as a 10 for me. One thing I've noticed about Gakpo, and it's one of my favourite attributes of his, is that ability to link play. How many times have we seen Gakpo receive the ball in the centre of the park with his back to goal, turn the man, and then start an attack? He is sensational at it. Brilliant. One of the things I've been most impressed with by Gakpo is that linking of play. So whilst I don't think he could do it as a centre forward, you know, against two centre backs, I think he's very good at doing it in between the lines in midfield. Um, so yes, I agree with you totally on that one. I would still rather Darwin through the middle. I think the only way, reason that we have this debate now is is how good Gakpo has been. He just, like, it would feel like a crime to take Cody Gakpo out of that centre spot because he's been so good there. And he's really understood the role that Klopp wants him to play, that Bobby Firmino role. He's such a clever football player. He really is. How many trophies do you believe we'll win next season? I fucking love that question. I love that. I love that foot Salah. No fannying about like, no, what's a decent season? Just straight into how many goddamn beautiful shiny trophies are we winning? That's the attitude. I wish our owners had that same mentality. Well, we're winning the the Europa League. I mean, I can't be the only person that in, in their head is already expecting us to be in Dublin for the Europa League final. <laughs> I'm, I'm so arrogant about it. I'm absolutely convinced Liverpool are going to be in that final in Dublin. Uh, Bing Graal said, imagine how many Champions League we would have had if Real Madrid and AC Milan didn't exist. Well, I feel like with Milan, it's all right because we beat them in 2005 when they were the better team, but we lost in 2007 when I feel like we were the better team. So I feel like we're okay with them. Uh, Madrid just have our number though, don't they? That's There's no denying that one. Like, Yeah, there's no denying them fuckers just have our number at the minute. Uh, just imagine Real finished third in their Champions League group. Fuck. <laughs> Don't be doing that to me, man. I'm hoping, here's what I hope happens. I hope United finish third in their Champions League group 
and that the Europa League final in Dublin is Liverpool versus Manchester United. Oh my God. Can you imagine? I'm not exaggerating when I say tickets would change hands for two and a half grand easily. That's how much they'd be in demand. Which traditional top six club will sack their manager first next season? I'm going to go bold and say none. Poch is the one that would be at the tip of my tongue. But I, I don't know if Chelsea can go down that road again of getting rid of another manager. Postacoglu will actually do all right at Spurs. Although I don't know what the measurement for success is there. Arteta, no way. Klopp, no way. Ten Hag, no way. Poch would be my answer, but God, it'll look even worse on Bowley if they sack, uh, if they sack him. Ten Hag after an 8-0 battering. Hopefully. We can but hope. Look, my friends, I'm going to call that one a night. I will see you guys. You're going to get me every night this week, so I don't even need to put up a schedule. We'll be streaming every single night. So I will see you guys tomorrow. Hopefully have a bit more concrete news to talk through. But it's lovely to get back in the hot seat after a couple of days away. And uh, much love to you all. Appreciate you coming and joining me again. And I will see you wonderful people tomorrow. Much love to you all. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.